Reporting is eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you will save 15% this year. Again, that's appletoncoffee.com. Use code RAE at checkout to save 15%. Everybody. Welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I'm Paul Newman of Acme Packing Company and the Shepard Express. And uh, I we're going to talk about the Jets game and Washington next week. But I think this is sort of the tipping point game. I kind of feel like the London game was like, okay, this is bad. It's not looking good, but it was a weird game. It was overseas. Stuff happens sometimes. And then this one, I kind of feel like everybody's like, uh, I think we have a real problem here. This is serious business. So to, to discuss the serious business with me, in urban Wauwatosa, we have. Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And uh, yeah, this is a uh, last week was the wow, this team might not be as good as we thought. And yeah. this week is mm, I don't think there's any way this team goes to the playoffs without some dramatic changes, things that we don't have evidence for that materialize. So uh, this is definitely going to be the Royce Newman podcast, is yep. my understanding. This is the Royce Newman podcast for sure. Um, I think he's emblematic of a lot of things. I made I made uh, the rundown is usually its own kind of thing. It's really more of an outline this week, I, I think. Um, th- this is like a good setup for a TED Talk. That's really what this is. <laughs> Not a Ted Thompson talk, no. just a Ted talk. Because there are no Ted Thompson talks. He... There were, there are none, and there never were. No, there were, there were. I have sizzled. That was, that was the time he said something interesting. Indeed, um, it was bad. It, it was not enjoyable. It, it was just kind of waiting for stuff to happen, especially on offense, and just never did. And then special teams broke down too. Like it just, everything just spiraled out of control. Just crap. But we can talk about what I call the Royce Newman conjecture, which is what the, <laughs> the top of the thing is called, because I do think Royce Newman kind of it just is a symbol of the many different aspects where the Packers have gone wrong. And uh, I think maybe the best place to start out is uh, what I call the chemistry problem, because Royce Newman's in there, and uh, he is Royce Newman. There's nothing he can do about that. And, you know, he's told to go play, and there's nothing he can really do about that. He can't really argue. But he's he's not part of the best line. And this is one of those things where we all know what the best line would be, or at least an iteration of it. And it involves Elton Jenkins playing guard. Um, and as far as our conjecture goes, Elton Jenkins isn't playing guard, not because he can't play guard, um, but because of external factors off the field, that Elton Jenkins is a free agent to be, and tackles make more than guards, and he can play tackle when he's healthy, and so playing him at guard hurts him financially. Uh, so that's that's problem one, and that's stupid. And uh, problem two is that David Bakhtiari, for whatever reason, is on a pitch count and still recovering from injury, and because of that, Yash Nyman has been practicing left tackle so that he can back up Bakhtiari if he needs to, which means he's not getting work at right tackle, where he could potentially play if they kick Elton inside and get rid of um, Rice Newman. So that's all bad. And then they have other people who could play guard. Like Zach Tom played guard in the preseason. They have Sean Ryan, who 
he might suck, but they have him, um, and they won't put either of them out there. They actually did bench Royce Newman in this game, but they put in friggin' Jake Hansen uh, in, in the monkey's paw moment of the game. <laughs> like Jake Hansen's, if, if there's anyone on the team worse than Royce Newman, th- that's the only one. That's it. Um, it's, it's I, like, this is clearly not a football concern. Like, what? They keep putting him out there to get just his brains beaten in. Uh, every metric on Royce Newman is bad, by the way. This is not just me specifically, me and JR, bashing Royce Newman because we don't like him or anything like that. He's allowed the most pressures by far. Um, he has the worst PFF grades by far. Uh, he, he, Everybody's in the backfield on him all game long. It's very, very bad. Um, it's, it's terrible, and it just does seem to be that it's off-the-field things, like a guy not wanting to move over, doing this and it's been going on all season so um they did bench him but they put in jack hansen and uh it just seems like they don't have an appetite for the most appealing possibility here. yes you are you are very worked up about this this is a very key thing for you paul which i which i love and appreciate well i don't there are always politics in coaching every every time there is um all coaches have to deal with this it happens uh, but like at some point you just have to be the coach and you have to be you have to be convincing that like guys we have to play the best people um to win games this is not working anymore elton you have to go inside because i need you to go in for the really crappy guy who's playing inside like you, you can do that you can throw rice newman under the bus you can cut him tomorrow nobody will care just just make elton feel important about moving it, so that's all bad hate that a lot all right so here I have I have a few random observations. First of all, if anyone doubts how Royce Newman has played, uh, our colleague and friend on the show, Tyler Brook, he posted sort of a, a series of video clips that show how he was run over, like like he was barely there. He uh, sure did. Had it was it was an incredible variety too. It was like a it was just it was it was a little of everything. It was didn't know it was assignment on one play. It was got straight up pancaked on a play. It was you know chose the wrong guy. There's there's all sorts of uh, little nuances there. Clearly, it's not working. I would I would say I don't know if we have as much evidence. I I know you feel very strongly that there is some factor here with Elton Jenkins preferring to play tackle. Obviously, that makes perfect logical sense that he would prefer to play tackle. I. I don't know if we've seen that he would push back that strongly against a move to guard. I mean, at this point, he has not played good enough tackle to suggest that he's going to be making more money on the play of a tackle. So I I think at some point you cut the cord if you're Elton Jenkins from that line of thinking. I, I don't personally think that's as big a deal, or at least that's my speculation. Elton Jenkins' personal wishes, as is the fact that what you said earlier, Yash Nyman has been playing at left tackle yep. in practice. And... Hopefully that's ending soon because we're seeing more and more David Bakhtiari and that should theoretically free up Yash Nyman to be a right tackle. But again, since the Packers don't have him practicing there, you're asking him to play. Yeah, he's played there before, but you're asking him to play a position he hasn't played in a while and, and to try to do so at a high level. And, and you know, again, for a quarterback who already has trust issues, we, we, we t- you talked about Zach Tom and uh, maybe Sean Ryan, like, the, the rookies have to work their way, you know, in, in receivers and on the line, they have to work their way into a point where Aaron Rodgers will trust them. Yep. We've already, we've talked about in the past, how Aaron Rodgers is very bad and pressure is coming straight at him. He's not good under pressure at all. He's got no time to throw the football this year. It, you, you pointed out to me that it, the, the amount of time he has, has been dropping over the last few years and is as low as it has ever been. He does not have time to throw the football when he does. It's not good, but like, 
I don't even know how we can accurately completely judge him. He, the man does not have time to throw the football. And everyone knows the best five involves Elton Jenkins at guard and Yash Nyman at right tackle. And maybe not Yash Nyman. Maybe it is Zach Tom who can play tackle as well. Maybe yep. that's your fifth guy somehow. I don't know. But the best five doesn't involve Royce Newman. And that's kind of the bottom line. That is beautifully said and all 100% accurate. Um, I, so, And I'm Matt, but you can call me Matt. Yeah! Hey, Matt. <laughs> We did not mention that he in. here. Yeah. Like he did just <laughs> join us. We did the we did the bit. We did the bit. The bit gives Matt flexibility, so the bit's good. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll just say um, on Rice Newman. I don't like knowing the numbers of offensive linemen. I only know Bakhtiari's because it's sixty nine, and I, don't, I know seventy two. Uh, yep, I guess I know 70. seventy. Seventy. Uh, yeah, and uh, he's seventy. And I, I, I when Tyler made that cut today, I, I told him in APC Slack. Uh, Royce Newman looks like someone who is involuntarily playing guard. <laughs> he, he, like Jerry Seinfeld has an old thing about the luge being the same if it's involuntary or, or, or voluntary. And um, it, he looks like he's just out there and somebody forced him to be there. And he's just like trying to get out of the way and panicking and running. And it's just stupid. So, uh, In Tyler's cut up, there's a shot where uh, Newman is the pulling guard. I think it's a trap play. And there's an unblocked DE who's just holding the edge, and Newman gets bodied against a stationary DE yep. while he's pulling. Yeah, that's that's all it you was need like to a tie, see. It was like a Ty Summers tackle. It was terrible. Oh, so, that's so bad. On the point of Newman sucking. So, um, part part two, uh, point two in in the TED talk here is I call the sucking problem, which is that Newman is bad. <laughs> um, where so. Um, he's a bad player. He gives up pressure up the middle, as JR just mentioned, which uh, really does hurt Aaron a lot, and especially in having confidence he can throw the deep ball, in having um, – he just is not good with pressure in his face regardless. He's gotten worse and worse over time. Um, worth noting, Elton Jenkins is, the over the last four weeks, PFF's highest-graded run blocker, and the other area this hurts is A.J. Dillon, who's also been quite bad and should – be seeing less time but AJ Dillon runs up the middle like Aaron Jones is out there to run outside for the most part AJ Dillon is always pounding it up the middle with Royce screwing up in the middle and it would probably fix him or at least help him get more positive yardage if they moved their best run blocker to the interior where he can make a bigger difference for the interior running I mean also when you get someone who is grading out as a phenomenal run blocker they're, and is showing an issue with lateral they're movement guards that's what literally guards that's are. a guard that's what we're <laughs> describing a guard <laughs> but would you would you describe this I feel like this is the silver bullet like if there there's obviously a lot wrong with this team and we'll talk about all of it but if there were one thing they could do that could with their current personnel change their fortunes pretty dramatically i feel like this is it yes this is it this has huge cascade mm-hmm. effects if they do it it doesn't make them perfect but it drastically improves them it gives aaron more time <laughs> it improves the deep passing game it lets him sit back there and let guys get open it improves the power running game uh it doesn't cost them like big splash plays where he loses nine yards on third down which happens a lot like rogers he works himself into sacks once in a while but not as much lately he actually gets rid of the ball quite quickly and um he's ha- he's suffered a lot of line sacks which is it's bad it's stupid so yes this would fix a lot it would it would have a huge positive impact if they got rid of him he's a, he's a big problem on on the subject of third down sacks did you guys see that interview with Joe Burrow where he said that third down sacks don't matter no, but they do. Why would he He's say like, that? He he goes, a sack on third down, it just means that I'm trying to make something happen to get a first down. If a sack happens, it's whatever. The play wasn't going to work anyway. And I'm over here like, that's 
That's a dumb philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> Sacks always matter a lot. They are basically punts in advance. So yes. it's, it's like one. What's the EPA? It's like one third of an interception. It's like one third of an interception. All right. Uh, on to point three, which is, again, this is not Royce's fault. It's something he's a symbol of. Um, they have a lot of loyalty to their draft picks. And they really let them go for a long time before they take any drastic action. Uh, he was a fourth-round pick last year. Supplementary, he was at the end of the round. And they've let him struggle a lot. And they've done this with a lot of people. Jake Hansen, also a, a pick of theirs. They, why is he still on the team? He should not be on the team. We all had him as cuts in the preseason. Um, and uh, Amari, same thing. Uh, Amari just gets trial and trial and trial. Uh, even like Darnell Savage. So, uh, and they're not giving Dylan fewer carries. They still put Dean Lowry out there and run defense for God knows why. Um, their self-scouting is very uncritical of their own players, especially. They they give them a lot of rope, and they do not make moves to improve things um, without extreme reason to do so. It's annoying. One thing I like about the Brewers and David Stearns is um, if something's not working, they'll fix it pretty quickly. The Packers are the opposite, and it leads them into keeping some guys way too long. Like, um, Amari Rogers has been bad the whole time he's been here, and he's a third-round pick, so he's still on the team. And still gets reps because people get hurt, and he gets reps, and he sucks at the reps. So, uh, damn Royce. <laughs> hey, speaking, speaking of third-round picks, is Sean Ryan dead? He must be bad. Um, like like real bad, right? Yeah, he's got to be real bad. There's, <laughs> there's there, and I think in preseason he was pretty rough. So I, I don't think it's a big surprise. Um, he he looked like he might have come in a little out of shape too. I wonder if there's some some work ethic type issues with that guy. Possibly, um, not great. Uh, he's a and it's crazy. He's a high ras guy. Yeah, like if you if you move him to guard, he's like nine three. They're all high ras guys. <laughs> I think what's discouraging is that even you might be right about the draft. I mean, there are guys like Kamal Martin who, you know, were decent draft picks who wound up getting, uh, I think kind of an earlier departure than maybe we would have thought, but you know, they've over time developed a reputation as being this offensive line factory. And here's a few guys now in a row, Sean Ryan, maybe even, even is the next in that group, but with Royce Newman and, you know, to, to a lesser degree, John Runyon jr. I mean, Jake Hansen, they haven't developed a lot of offensive line guys now lately. I mean, obviously Elton Jenkins wasn't drafted that long ago and, and it seems like Myers is holding his own at center. Um, so, so those are success stories too, but um, you know, maybe you're seeing a little bit of, you know, the, the foundation cracking a little bit on, on whatever, whatever magic they've been able to produce on the offensive line over and over again. I think I most talked off about Zach Tom because he was legitimately good in preseason and it's got to be a size thing there. Like I just, I don't think they trust him at his size to hold up. Which, okay, fine, but don't pick him then. And you know he did, he did well in preseason. You can, you can throw him out there and give it a shot. Like you can do that. That's allowed. He's not going to get run over worse than Rice Newman is. I can guarantee you that. All right. Has there has there ever been a six foot nine guard in the NFL? I very much doubt it. <laughs> Um, well, it's, it's also, it, it isn't just the offensive line. We do have yep. lots of other theorems on this Ted talk that, that you're this journey that you're taking us on. Yes. And, and that brings us to number five. Um, 
the talent problem that we've also, already. By, by the way, before we move on, I just I, I'm going to get the rundown mention out of the way. This is this is a five point literal multi page uh, diatribe that Paul has outlined here, and each point has an A through H. <laughs> Now, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't even realize we still had bullet points under Royce Newman. The talent problem is under Royce Newman. So, yes, it uh, is because Royce Newman is is bad. He's not talented. And one of their other big problems that they've had over the last several drafts is not doing terribly well, especially in the higher rounds. Um, their receivers, their rookies, even Romeo has not have not come around quite as well as we've hoped. Uh, that's partially an Aaron problem, but um, they lack deep speed and they they have trouble with I would say having playmakers on a play-to-play basis the tight ends are bad like Tanyan's fine but he's just fine um you know he showed what he was last week when he became the slot guy when Cobb went out he can catch 10-yard passes like nobody's business but that's all he is um come back to DeGuara in a second and the O-line as constructed is not not great or deep like we've seen this depth now get pushed because of Newman's in there and Hanson's his backup and that's a problem, too. The D-line is very, very weak outside of Kenny Clark, and they have just gotten run over by some deplorable offenses. Um, and their edge depth is not great either. We all got a scare with Gary, but fortunately, he's still awesome. Um, but they they really do lack some talent at key positions, at safety, too, because Darnell's not good and is one of their lowest-graded players on the year. Um so Rice is emblematic of there are bad players on this Packer team, and they are seeing the field more than I think we thought a lot of them would. Um, so Rice, there's Rice in several nutshells, um, he, why he is sort of the symbol of what ails the Packers across the board. This is the I am Spartacus thing, except I am Rice Newman. Yeah. <laughs> there's one <laughs> in every position group. <laughs> also, they should play just Josiah Deguera more. I, I don't think he's necessarily particularly good, but um, he is grading out well as a blocker. His receiving is actually, uh, in small samples, looking pretty good there. Um, he should get more run, uh, especially given the offense they run. Uh, he can catch passes and do cool stuff. Yeah, he, he definitely found his hands this year, he that's did. for sure. He's been good. So the, to, to go back to the 2021 draft, talking about talent, Eric Stokes, I, I think we kind of agree, is taking a step back this year. Yeah, I still think he's good, but uh, I think sure. I, I think it's Joe Barry's fault. Okay, and I, that could be. I think it's a little Stokesy fault too, because um, he is very particular in how he is able to recover when he gets burned, and I think teams are matching him up with more shifty guys, and it's giving him some issues. Uh, that is so, that is a Joe Barry problem too, because you can avoid that yeah, <laughs> with man I coverage. Also, <laughs> so the the thing the thing that I want to bring up is the only good throw that Zach Wilson had. Um, so Stokes gets burned off the line. Like he loses the press and he has the makeup speed to come up for it. And Zach Wilson does like a very Aaron Rodgers escape the pocket, throw on the run. And Stokes completely, um, he, his speed made up for his, his lack of press on the line. But Zach Wilson threw the ball inside shoulder and everybody knows Eric Stokes can't track a ball. Can't. He's not good inside at that. shoulder. <laughs> And it worked. I know the pass you're talking about. I saw it. I was like, oh, he's, he's, he even looks good in coverage. He's right there. It just doesn't matter because mm-hmm. he yeah. missed the ball. So if that was an outside shoulder pass, it's probably a pick. Yep. Just Eric, Eric Stokes can't turn left. <laughs> but he's definitely so taking a step back for sure. He's not been as good this year. And, and to finish that thought, then, uh, you know, obviously Josh Myers is a fixture on the line. And, and then it's Amari. It's Royce Newman. 
It's TJ Slayton, who I think is maybe improved he's, this year. He's I think he's okay. Okay. TJ Slayton is a large man being a large man. Uh, yep. And then it's Shamar Jean Charles and Isaiah McDuffie. Colvin Landon's not here anymore. I mean, these are later rounds anyway. You know, yeah. Kylan Hill got hurt, so hard to really judge that. But, you know, that, that starts to sound not so good. Obviously, they're still in the development phase of their careers, but you need to rely on some of these guys because you go back to 2020, you, that, that's Jordan Love. A.J. Dillon obviously is much beloved, and and uh, Josiah DeGuara might might be good, but, you know, there's... I, even if he's good, there. he was still drafted too high, and yeah. he's not that good. <laughs> yeah. I really... I, I feel bad for Cole. Uh, I really wanted Cole to stick. And I mean, anytime you're having problems upstairs, like you need to do you and you need to focus on yourself. Um, but he is a physical clone of John Runyon Jr. Like same size, same Raz. Like he's he is a physical and would have been a great like right guard to do a tandem between the two. But sadly, that didn't work. You're talking out. about Cole Madison, right? Yeah, sorry. I okay. I thought Cole Van Landen was it. Uh, Cole... Cole Van Landen is the more recent pick. Who uh, I'm getting the Coles confused. You are correct. Yeah, yeah. We drafted two dudes named Cole. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, yeah. So the drafts are looking dicey. I mean, Rashawn Gary is an example of a player who wasn't awesome when he started and took a little bit. But you know, after six weeks, if you're not seeing much contribution from even the current rookie class, I think I think it's worth. Noting that and being a little concerned that there's not, uh, you know, it's it's another year where you're not getting impact impact guys right away. And that seems kind of to be the case right now. Indeed, it does. All right. Specific to this game that is not dealing with Royce Newman. <laughs> this does feel like another instance of Matt LaFleur not doing well against people he knows. Now, Sean McVay would be the exception to that. But the Shanahan tree and his brother not not going so well. Um, they just got completely dominated. That offense did absolutely nothing and looked pretty terrible at times. Um, we we heard reports in APC Slack that the Jets were essentially calling out their plays based on the formation that they had out there, and wh- whether it was heavy with Mercedes or not. That's not a, not a good sign. Um, and uh, lack of creativity just seems to kill them. If anybody's familiar with their system, so. Um, huge disaster. Mike Lafleur uh, seemed to outduel his brother quite quite well. They even scored on a stupid end around thing with Braxton Berrios. Um, just th- this, I hate this game so much. Like, if you look at just the <laughs> if you look at the raw stats on this stupid thing, like there's no way the Packers should have lost this game. Like, Zach Wilson had like no passing yards. The Packers blocked an ever loving punt and. and um, like how how did they, they possibly one for eleven on third down? They were one for eleven yeah. on third down. There's lots of reasons they did lose this game. That's one of them. But they, they it's a, it's like impossible to lose this game. I can't believe they did it. It's yeah. really funny if you only look at like Zach Wilson's stats, you're like, oh my god, the Jets lost by thirty. Yeah, like... yeah. This all from again from Tyler who um, is here in spirit and and via Twitter. The Jets went 1-for-11 on third down. They had 99 net passing yards. They went 0-for-2 in the red zone. They, had, they, got, they were called for seven penalties for 10 yards a pop. Had a punt blocked. And they still won by 17 points. <laughs> That's impossible. It's got to be a record. And I'm going to go to StatHead later and see if how many teams have gone 1-for-11 on third down and won by 17 points. So um, everything went wrong for Green Bay. It wasn't even close. That 
it's so annoying that like they were so helpless and you could just see them falling apart in the second half like it was close it was close it was close and then the defense was just like all right screw this we're done we're sick of running into Brees Hall at five million miles an hour and they got run on for seven yards of carry for the rest of the game uh, like they always do the uh <laughs> the the question at some point, if this continues, will be like, should they just not have Aaron Rodgers out there and and have Jordan Love? And I think one of the things, the NFC, the NFC is 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 all it's all the same. Like it's all parity. There's there are very few teams that are rising above. So, you know, as bad as it has been, I think you're going to need several more weeks before the Packers can even look around and say, actually, this year just isn't it. We should we should start building for something else, something for the future. Um, because because right now, you know they could they could they could rattle off a few wins here and still be in a playoff spot. You know it's it's kind of it's kind of frustrating because they certainly don't look the part at all. But the way the NFC is, it's just not. Uh, I, <laughs> I was gonna know. say they don't look the part, but like everyone who isn't the Eagles doesn't look the part. Right, and I mean, NFC like, is cheeks. Right, everything's bad. It's everything's bad. very very bad. You are right about that. They're still over fifty percent on PFF's projections to make the playoffs. Over fifty percent. This team. Love Which it. is funny because uh, I remember we were talking about the Owen tombstone at the beginning of the season, and we were looking at um, a breakdown of teams that lose consecutive games at any point in the season. Yep. Uh, now is the time to lose consecutive games because teams that lose them here had like a 34% chance of making the playoffs and everywhere else it was 20 or less. So <laughs> there we go. We lost our consecutive games where we needed to. <laughs> The Packers, right, so, the Packers are eighth in run differential, run differential, point differential in the NFC. They they are, they've been outscored by sixteen, but like the, number three is the Vikings. They've scored, they've outscored their opponents by twenty one. Um, everybody else, like all every team in between, is just crunched together. The only teams that are decent at all are the Eagles, as previously stated, who are fifty six above, and the Forty ers who are thirty three above. But you know they have their own issues slash Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, they're awesome on defense, but San Francisco has scored 89 points on the season, which is, again, almost unbelievable. Uh, but they've only allowed 33 points, which is even more almost unbelievable. So, goodness gracious. All right, let's, oh, I'm sorry. Let's I, I got, hold on. I'm going to get yelled at for that. I have my columns off. They've scored 122 and let uh, 89 by. They had 33 is their point differential. I had things sorted. There you go. I was like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I was going to say that's ridiculous, and it is ridiculous because it's not true. So don't send me <laughs> don't send me angry tweets about it. I have now corrected fake, it. More like fake news and <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got nothing. All right, let's complain about Aaron Rodgers. Yes, let's. Woo. That's my favorite. He, uh, he he doesn't run for any any yardage at all. He's still got three rushes. Yep. He doesn't throw anything well outside the numbers. Nope. Doesn't seem to trust anybody. He has no time to throw. And other than that, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> How was the we have here? Yeah. The, so, I read have one I my... positive stat on him this week. Pro Football Focus says that he is still the third-rated downfield passer in the NFL. Which is so dumb. Which is not. ridiculous, but I want to put it out there. Because somebody said something nice about Aaron. I don't know how you grade throwing a, to a double-covered Alan Lazard as a positive or throwing out of bounds as a positive or just yep. heaving it up into traffic a positive, but they apparently do. So My my favorite out of that is, who the hell was charting? Like Aaron Rodgers is like uh, like leads the league in least separation and, and hits targets beyond 20 yards. 
and they're trying to use it as as like the Packers wide receivers aren't getting open. And like literally everyone in the comments was like, uh, watch the film. Other people are open. He's just not targeting them. And Romeo Dobbs is very high in the separation metric on next gen. Um, he and is, he's he's averaging seven yards of cushion off the line of scrimmage. Yes, he is. That's a real deep threat. Yep. But but yeah, so he, he's bad. Um He's bad. He, he, uh, this will be kind of like the rice section a little bit, but we'll try and keep it quicker. Um, he's been bad on the field. He's also um, starting to have some friction with Matt's system. Absolutely. There was a lot of talk this week about uh, how he hates motion. And I know Matt's going to already say he's said that before many, many times, which is true. Um, but I feel like whenever it comes up, it's because something's gone wrong. Like this is uh, they're, they're disagreeing about why the offense is not working and this is a fighting point for them i feel like that's when it comes up and why he brings it up yeah it's uh god i i I really hate having to hear aaron Rodgers talk about how great the west coast offense is especially because in his own words the west coast offense is predicated on beating one-on-ones and we have like one person who wins one-on-ones that's pretty (laughs) much right Uh, have i have i done my aaron Rodgers thinks he's the smartest person in the room rant yet no but uh, we all have a version of it so go for it so i've I've done it i've done it on many podcasts already this year i've been guests on stuff um aaron Rodgers. this year is what happens when you think you're the smartest person in the room and you're not um wink martindale ate aaron Rodgers' lunch he completely he completely dictated how aaron Rodgers played based on what looks he was giving him and that's Aaron thinking he's smarter than he is. And this isn't one of the it's he's literally at this point, like he Aaron Rodgers loves quoting uh, the Princess Bride. And the ironic thing is, is he's the guy who dies. He's Vizzini. The, that's correct. Yes. <laughs> Aaron Aaron Rodgers is Vizzini. He's not Wesley. He's Vizzini. Every single defensive coordinator is Wesley. Yep. Like that, <laughs> that's 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 where we're at at this point. So- and it's infuriating Matt. I wrote what you just said for uh, for APC. It will be published tomorrow. Um, and, and just to add a little more statistical rigor to it, um, Aaron, uh, first of all, the Packers over the last four years have increased their usages of RPOs every year. That's run pass option really quick for people who don't know what that is. Uh, here's how it's supposed to work. All right. And Matt, correct me if I'm wrong on the reads. Cause I don't know my football that well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is this is the thing where Aaron's in shotgun and AJ Dillon is standing next to him, and they snap him the ball, and he puts the ball in AJ's stomach, and he looks what's happening in the secondary, and based on what a defensive end is doing crash wise or not, and what the secondary is doing man or zone wise, he either leaves it there for AJ to take, or he pulls it back and then targets one of three receivers. Actually, it's usually one of two running either a fade or a cross. Um, yes. You're 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 on point. Okay. The other thing to note is you can tell it's an RPO because the offensive line is run blocking. Run blocking. So they're heading upfield. The pass has to get out quickly, or you'll get called for an ineligible man downfield. Now, why is all this important? So RPOs are generally speaking pretty good plays. They're easy to be successful with, and they're easy to get chunk yardage with if you run them properly and correctly. Um, the Packers this year run them on 26.8% of their dropbacks, which is a lot. Um, they did 192 last year, uh, 17 the year before, and 11 the year before that. So it's a big part of the offense. Uh, now, here's why it's a problem. Uh, Dusty Evely, who we reference frequently, go follow Dusty, did a nice breakdown on the end of the Giants game when uh, we got... St- 
we uh, had that incomplete pass on fourth and two that Aaron tried to force into Alan Lazard and got tipped at the line of scrimmage. Um, that was an RPO. And what's important to note about that, Dusty, by the way, I'm not going to say disagrees with me, but he has his own um, line of thinking on this and it is different from mine. Um, one thing Dusty points out is that Aaron does not like making post-snap reads on RPOs. Um, he got spooked a couple times in the past by uh, defensive ends blowing up his RPOs and knocking him down. And so um, Aaron checks to a run or a pass based on how many guys are in the box at the time of the snap. You're supposed to make that read with the ball in the running back's stomach, and it matters a lot when you do it because if you make it pre-snap, the defense can basically tell you what to do. If they put a bunch of guys on the line of scrimmage and you're making a pre-snap read, you're checking to a pass. And on that fourth down play, that's exactly what happened. They didn't want a running play. If you'll recall, the Packers never gained less than two yards with any running play against the Giants in their 30th ranked run defense. Um, had they run the ball, they almost certainly convert that fourth down and have three more, four more shots at the end zone. The Giants wanted to take, a, take one shot, put it in the air, an incomplete pass is zero. A completion is a touchdown that you probably get anyway if you run the ball. And um, so they dictated a pass. They, they put eight guys at the line of scrimmage. And not only that, um, when Aaron makes that handoff, he faces a certain direction. Um, he His mechanics have gotten weak. So he's looking right in these two, the face of these two unblocked guys. And he checks to what is a very logical hot read, which is behind them. Um, the problem is... The Giants had planned for this. They played press man because they know he's got to get the ball in fast. It's an RPO. It's a penalty. And uh, basically threw into the, the the teeth of the defense and into a very well-covered Alan Lazard. On the other side of that play, Romeo Dobbs is going to walk into the end zone if he hits him on a crosser. Um, but uh, that pre-snap read thing makes RPOs almost not worth running because it means the defense can tell Aaron what to do if he never goes against what the read is and he never goes against what the read is and we have evidence of this because Aaron Jones famously this year only has one carry into an eight-man box that's not <laughs> enough that, carries that, into an eight-man box you need more than that happen, did that happen against the Jets it, by it the way? happened against the Giants they did not run the Giants okay yes if you go look at next gen stats running back stats of running into eight-man plus boxes Aaron Jones has done it on like two percent of his carries. The next lowest is five and a half, and almost everybody Jesus. else is fifteen. Um, it it is they're playing poker um, like someone without the ability to bluff, and it is killing them, especially with all these RPOs being such a heavy part of the so, offense. You know the the third part of the RPO that you're missing out in your description is quarterbacks which, running. Quarterbacks running. Yeah, that's the other option. So. If if you're looking at a if you're looking at a stacked box, and you're also looking at something like press man, but you make the post snap read and see that the defensive end is crashing on your running back, the quarterback pulls it and runs. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have three options, and Aaron Rodgers in all three of his goddamn carries this year means that no defense has to respect him as a running threat. Yep. And the Packers have have gotten cute. Like you can count on one hand the amount of times they've gotten cute. Aaron Rodgers has taken an RPO himself once for a first down one time. Uh, Mercedes Lewis has one catch for a touchdown one time. But other than those times, you can just you say, okay, I see Mercedes. It's going to be a run, or he's not going to go out on a route. Yep, those are, and I I see that that AJ Dillon is is in shotgun normal. Like okay, if they're going to run an RPO, Aaron's not going to take it. Like. 
you, me, and every goddamn person sitting at home can make these reads. It is embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Uh, and the last one, just on the dictating thing, there's a tweet from Tej Seth today who does football analytics. Um, on third down and one or two yards, the Packers have the third highest pass rate in the league, and their eight, ad, average depth of target ADOT is 8.2 yards. That is, all of you intuitively know, the Packers throwing bombs on third and fourth and short. And this, again, is dictating to them by putting guys up on the line and saying, okay, um, it's third and one. We'll give you take the deep shot. Th- throw it deep to Randall Cobb. I'm sure he can outjump somebody. And if they don't, you get the ball back. It's a turnover. It's a punt. Um, it, it's a gamble, but it's a good one because the payoff for the defense is so high. Whereas if they just run it again, they get the first down. They get three more plays to do whatever they want. Um, it, so it's defense my, is doing good calculus on them. And my my point against that is, there was one time against the Jets where it worked very very well. Yes, yes, and there was one time. Do- That's correct. Dobbs was booty butt naked open on a slot fade, and Aaron Rodgers can't accurately throw the ball more than twenty yards. So. Yeah. One time I heard a movie review that made me laugh really, really hard. I think it was the Lone Ranger. It was on the one with Johnny, the Johnny Depp. Depp one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that was it. On the, on NPR or something. I don't know. But it was some guy I was I was hearing it on the radio, just somebody reviewing this movie. And uh he said something that made me laugh so hard. It was yes, this movie is bad, but it's bad in ways I hadn't previously considered possible or I hadn't previously <laughs> oh <my> imagined. <laughs> um that's kind of how I feel about Aaron Rodgers after hearing hearing this conversation. Like, I, it's decision making and it, and and an unwillingness to be sort of improvisational. Which, I, I, like, how did we get here? Because Aaron Rodgers is is the king of this stuff. Is the king of being able to outsmart defenses and being able to to make those late reads and having so much data in his head that he knows right where to put the ball and when and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, is this a function of? more RPOs than ever before in the Matt LaFleur system? Is it a function of him being so spooked that he refuses to run? Is it is it something else? Like, what what took away Aaron Rodgers' like genius? I feel like a lot of the Aaron Rodgers' genius in the past has been post-snap. It is in his vision. It's in looking back across the field to find guys and fitting the ball into really tight spaces, and, you know, just getting it over linebackers' fingers by a little bit. Um, and... In the past, also, he used to be in exploiting um, single high safeties, which nobody plays against him anymore. You know, it used to be him, uh, you know, che- checking to motion, seeing that they were playing man with one safety back and hitting like Jordy Nelson or Devontae over the top of that. Nobody's played single high against him in three years. Uh, everybody knows his kryptonite, uh, it, to the extent he has kryptonite, is, is a two-man shell. And th- that takes away those deep looks that he could audible to. It takes away one of his favorite things to do, at least makes it much more difficult. And uh, so I feel like he's he's kind of lost his big gun there and doesn't really know what else to do. I mean, he, he likes to check deep, and that's, that's what he does on those third and fourth and shorts when the opportunity presents itself. Uh, it just doesn't work as well when the defense is kind of suckering him into it. Uh, I'm not sure he really is all that, uh, all that when it comes to checking to the perfect play. Really, I think he's the guy at the table who can't spot the sucker at this point. That's a good okay, well, we need it. to talk... Oh, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, that's a really good way to put it. Guy at the table can't spot the sucker. That's always like the... Uh, like, if if uh, you can't find the asshole in your group of friends... Like... Yep. Same thing. So, we should probably get to the defense on the special teams real quickly before... Oh, yeah. 
Oh, um, sweet Lord Jesus. Because yeah. they're they're also a little bit culpable. I before we leave, I mean, I, I do want to point out the Jets off the Jets defensive line is a problem. Quinn and Williams, it's never good when they spotlight a guy and then that guy does in fact tear you up the yep. way they did on that broadcast with Quinn and Williams. So another indictment of the offensive line, but like they really dictated this game and made things as miserable as possible for everybody there. Yeah, the Jets had bad defensive numbers coming into this game, but they have a lot of talent. They had a lot of uh, well uh, high high scout rank guys, high PFF guys. And I'm not that surprised they played well. They are, I think, a good defensive team that just hadn't really shown up yet. And they had the last two weeks. It's just that we didn't really count it because it was against Skylar Thompson and um, some other crappy backup who I can't remember. I, I, I like Skylar Thompson, but it was, his, <laughs> it was his first game. He came off the bench, you know, all that stuff. Um, but they're good. Uh, I feel like the, the, we should give the Jets defense credit. They are a good defense, and them having success isn't that surprising. Having this much success, this this much is surprising though. But yeah, Packer defense, uh, uh, they weren't that bad. They were they were okay against the pass. We we saw a lot more man. Yeah, so that makes they, me happy. Jair played outside on uh, five snaps, and there were only twelve passing snaps of the whole game. So that's that's okay. Um, but the run defense, I mean, God Almighty, good lord. Okay. <laughs> When the Packers were down twenty-four to ten, uh, I know what you're going to say. Joe Barry refused to leave nickel. He's still in nickel. Yes, he was still in nickel. That's what are you doing? Like, like you, they're going to run the ball. They can't pass at all. So I was I okay, I've been making the the Madden joke this whole time, right? That like any idiot calling plays out of Madden would be doing a better job than Joe Barry. Do you know what Joe Barry did this week? Uh, no, especially in a Madden context. He literally called plays out of the Packers Madden defensive book. Oh, really? That's um, insane. Yeah. So uh, the Packers have a formation in their Madden uh, defense called nickel two, four, five, double a gap uh, with two down linemen, four linebackers, including two of them in the a gaps <laughs> uh, with a nickel. And and usually like out of that, you would run like a, uh, like a six man blitz or you would run kind of like a Mabel coverage where you'd have like, like cover four on one side and man on the other. Um, Packers did that uh, when they were down by 14 points. Great. Like, come on, man. Like, like, look, man, you know that, that all 205 pounds of, of Quay Walker is not going to be two gapping. That's not yeah. possible. And th- this was again, like Dean Lowry was a, a train wreck yet again. Devondre Campbell was very bad in this game. Like, oh my this, god! I think was his worst game of the year, and he's had some bad ones. On that Braxton Berrios touchdown, for, first of all, Braxton Berrios, a tiny man, not a, <laughs> not a large man. Devondre Campbell had angle on him to at least stop him from scoring, get him down to like the four or five, and and just like tapped him on the shoulder and let him go in the end zone. Uh, he he was right there. It was ridiculous. Um, he was missing gaps. He was getting blown up. Uh, Quay Walker was like just off the screen a bunch of times on running plays, doing God knows what. Uh, maybe maybe he wasn't in because it was nickel. But okay. uh, so Braxton Berrios is listed at five uh, nine, a buck ninety. Yeah, that's about right. Um, no, there's no way in hell that dude's 190 pounds. Well, that's like, possible. He's five nine though. <laughs> no, I, I know I know a lot of people who are five nine and compete at 190 pounds in in powerlifting. And they're much, uh, uh, they're thicker yes. than he is. <laughs> yes, he, he is a he is a tiny person. That is, correct. Yeah, he's like a buck seventy. There's there's no way in hell that dude's one ninety. 
and the fact that the fact that Devondre Campbell couldn't just flick him in the nose to tackle him is embarrassing. I think it was Tyler who pointed out that Campbell has nine missed tackles this year, which would be already double his entire output from last year when he had four. Yep. Which uh, that number's crazy. Four is crazy for a season of of inside linebacker play, but we're just this just isn't the same guy. It's not even close. And and coupled with all these other regressions you're seeing on defense, it's it's really really disheartening. It really is. And like when you have to come back and you know they're just going to run the ball to kill clock and they can't pass anyway, not switching your personnel to heavy defensive personnel and just not going out of your way to generate three and outs when they're perfectly happy to run the ball at you is inexcusable. It, it it's Joe Barry is just an insane person. Like it, this is all very basic. This isn't complicated. It, it's very stupid. Back to should they change defensive coordinators midseason? They absolutely well. should. They 100% should do that. Anyway, absolutely. The thing I'm maddest about is um, for, for those of you who um, are have been thinking about subscribing to the Patreon, the mini pod was like 100% correct about this game. Picked the Jets, said that the Jets probably wouldn't be able to pass very well, but it wouldn't really matter because they could run at will on the Packer defense, which they did, that Joe Barry wouldn't adjust, and that I didn't trust the offense to kick back into high gear against a defense that had good personnel on it, even if they'd been underperforming, and that the Petten thing would be a problem. Like, it was just dead on. Uh, I could see what was going to happen. I feel like they should have been able to see what was going to happen, too. The Packers should be smarter than me, as always. That's that's the main thing. <laughs> if they're being dumber than me, that's a problem. I don't work in professional football. Do do better. <laughs> yeah, I think at the end of the year, we might find that this loss doesn't look terrible. I mean, the Jets, they're having an okay year at this point. Yeah, they uh, might be okay. Their offense uh, isn't. Right. I mean, you're yeah, like if you complete 10 of 18 passes for whatever that hundred and some yards uh, you got to beat that team and, and let alone be blown up by the team. You had your special teams blocked a punt for you. My God, <laughs> if you, if you can't, if you, if you get blown out in the game with the numbers you ran off, it just doesn't, it does not compute. This is not the Packers teams that we've seen in recent years. <sighs> yep. We should mention quick. Our special teams was bad, which is also a problem. They blocked a punt, but they got a punt blocked and they got a field goal blocked and, um, they had a, a secret stupid play where there was a penalty committed and the Packers got to kick off from the 50-yard line. And oh my gosh. Mason did a high kick that was returned out to the 34-yard line. Like, uh, you got to go onside there. It's Or kick it in the end zone, one of the two. It just Can, I'll, Also, I want to uh, – something that really hasn't been addressed. The blocked field goal is Mason's fault. I actually did not watch it carefully at all. So, please, go on. Um, the Jets use some of their monstrous defensive linemen in the middle on their field goal blocking unit. So you have to expect uh, penetration in the middle. You just have to expect it. And you got to kick it higher. And I don't think Mason has the leg to kick a true high 50-yard field goal anymore. Mm. And he had to keep it a low trajectory. And it was blocked with a hand in the air. And we're not talking about Ed Tall Jones here. We're talking about a guy who's like 6'1". Yeah. Yeah, I personally like just... Mason Crosby at his age doing what he's done so far this year like it's hard to feel too disappointed with him but uh you know the, the fact is the, the Packers just couldn't get him closer <laughs> I mean that would also be part <laughs> of it. also I true the, like I love the like at, at his age thing I it mean goes back to, it goes back to that tweet of like like look at him the oldest man in sports a true <laughs> specimen and he's like 34 <laughs> yeah yeah, it's the it's the premature gray. I think maybe that uh, that maybe yeah, adds that dude, that dude went gray it quick, fast, and in a hurry. I know. 
Silver Fox, that one. Yep, 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 yep. Um, All right. But but yeah, like the the kicking off from the fifty, how you can choose Plan C when you have the opportunity to either onside it, which I absolutely ad- advocate for in the moment. Like, same here. My, your offense sucks. Go for it. Let's go. Uh, if if they end up with the ball at the forty yard line, okay. Your defense is, you know, your defense had a good first half. Like maybe they put it together. Or blast it out of the end zone so that no one has to think about it again. I can't believe they chose a different option. Rich Bisaccia is too smart for that. Seriously, I, it's it's worth the trade-off here is not rocket science. Like it's a turnover versus like they get the ball ten yards further up the field than they normally would. Like that's right. it. This is not a hard choice. What, what do, do you think that was that was Rich's choice? I don't know. Maybe like, I, find it hard I suppose it's Lafleur too. If you want to call an onside kick, you probably no, have I'm, to clear it with him. I, I, I'm not talking about the onside kick. I'm talking about not blasting it out the end zone. Did he maybe not just not have the leg? It's possible. Or, no, or no, like no, maybe, no. Mason's no, got, Mason. Mason would have had the leg. For Mason's the got but, the leg for that. But I mean, did but, he? I mean, did he miss hit it? You know, it was sent to the corner. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me that that was that was the idea. I think that they were playing a high kick to cover and get him inside the ten. I think that was the idea. Really stupid. Yeah. Yep. I I really. <sighs> I don't get it. All right. Washington is next. Yeah. Washington hopefully is the salve that uh, gets things turned around. But yeah, uh, maybe. you know where the floor yeah. is. Well, okay. Let's talk about 2016. Pretty right worried now. about this game, actually. <laughs> 2016 Packers were four and six after losing to Washington. To Washington. Oh, which also included uh, the trashing of a cheesehead. Oh. Uh, Pierre sure. Garcon tore a cheese head in half on the on the sideline oh we've already had uh, our cheese head with the opposing player moment i know i'm like I'm, I'm trying to i'm really forcing this one all right but, but yeah that was the run the table year packers wanted to run the table went from four six to ten six galvanizing loss whatever the hell you want to call it but uh i don't see that happening <laughs> i just see a loss loss this just seems so much like the game they just played uh it, like washington is not a good team at all they're they're rough, but they're they're actually good on defense. Again, uh, they're 12th in defensive DVOA. They have a lot of good defensive players, just like the Jets did. And while their offense has been just a trash fire this year, um, that a lot of that is Carson Wentz being a trash fire of a quarterback, uh, much like Joe Flacco was for the Jets. And they're going to be starting Taylor Henneke this week, who isn't isn't good, but he's mobile and he's not completely awful. They have good skill position players. They have uh, uh, Terry McLaurin, and they have um, Antonio Gibson, and they have the Jahan Dotson, who I don't like, but is going to definitely have 100 yards in this game for reasons we'll get to in a minute. Um, <laughs> this is like a repeat performance of what they just went through, and if they don't drastically change things, I think they'll have the same thing happen, and I have no confidence in them changing things. Uh, it, uh I'm not so what happens? What happens if they do change, right? Like, so they do the things they're supposed to. Yep. They whoop. They whoop the hell out of like a like an overall bad team. Like we talked about, individual pieces not as good as the sum of its parts. Packers go to the proper game plan. They play the offense that works against this type of defense, so on and so forth. Then next week they just go back to doing the same old shenanigans and go go back to being mediocre. Well, that's bad, but it would be nice to see improvement before anything else. I mean. If they're, but why would that happen? Why would they go back to that? I don't know. Like hubris, isn't that what we're talking about? I guess. But if you fix it, then you should stay. You, they play Buffalo after this, by the way, so it'll be hard to tell because Buffalo's going to beat the ever-loving crap out of them. But um, 
Uh, like, I'm not going to worry about that. They, they just need to fix it to get to the, in this game and win this game first. And then like, we can be slightly <laughs> optimistic going forward, at least a little well, bit. I mean, thinking about Buffalo, the Packers have yet to have trouble with a phenomenal route runner and a str- oh oh god Stefan oh, Diggs is going to get on Eric Stokes all game and just torch the crap out of him but no nah. man what, oh ooh ooh that reminds me uh today we have stone cold proof that Adrian Amos is a name searcher oh yeah that's true would you like to talk um, about the tweet of the week or meme of the week yeah or? yeah i guess tweet of the week kind of goes on about this um there was a stat that like Amos and Savage when targeted were giving up a passer rating of 136 or something like that it makes them the worst safeties in the league based on that stat and someone replies to that and goes, Hey, do you think that this is uh, because they're running this like cover four drop and with a lot of deep crossers, they just happen to be the closest defender who were given the target. Um, and then Adrian Amos liked like that, that tweet. tweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian liked the excuse. So good for yeah. him. Yeah. All right. So really hmm. quick before we get on to our zillion questions that we have, uh, we have a zillion questions again this week. Uh, yeah, we do. We're very popular. It's very. Why nice. do you guys like us so much? Uh, oh my god, there's so many. So, um, <laughs> the Washington defense is legitimately good. Um, Cameron Curl uh, is they're actually number three safety, I think, two or three. He's ranked number one by PFF right now. He's very, very good. Derek Forrest is uh, number five overall in PFF. Their other safety, uh, Bobby McCain is actually their starting safety uh, on the the free side, and he's outstapped both, and he sucks. But I think that they're starting to learn that. Uh, they've been working the other two in much more, and uh, that's made them quite a bit better in the secondary lately. Uh, they have a nice trend upward on their pass defense. And then on the edges, they have Jonathan oh, uh, Jonathan Allen's de- uh, defensive lineman. Very good. Uh, capable of blowing up. If Rice is still there, it'll be Jonathan Allen knocking him on his ass all game. Uh, and then at the edge, Montez Sweat is fifth overall. So... At the key, the key positions, they're very good. Their corners are not very good, but that hasn't really been a huge advantage for the Packers so far this year. So um, it, uh, it's not my favorite matchup. And, uh, and so, uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm, with how good their safeties are, I'm yep. immediately reminded of watching C.J. Mosley run the crossing routes for the Packers wide receivers. I remember it very well, yes, knowing exactly um, what they were going to do. And so when you, if you keep curl like deep, and you have Derek running like a robber. I don't think Rogers will be able to see the forest through the trees. I know that was a pun because you're making a face, but I didn't get Derek it. Forrest. Oh, <laughs> Derek Forrest. Forrest. And he's, okay. he's, he's and the he, curl. Be the robber. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got layers. All right, Truly yeah, difficult. a lot of layers. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> All right, last thing. I hate Jahan Dotson. I think they overpicked him. He's Penn State receiver. He's great in the Big Ten. Uh, uh, there, there are basically no receivers as small as Jahan Dotson who have ever been good, except for Deshaun Jackson. Um, and uh, he started in week one by catching two touchdowns, but it's been crap ever since then. However, just to punish me for that, um, he's going to have a huge game, and then Penn State people will yell at me all week. That is my destiny this week. Uh, I will, That's my prediction for the week, and so mark it down. I, I cannot believe that Penn State football still exists. That. <laughs> The SMU gets the death penalty for yeah for yeah, paying yeah. off a couple of people. It's uh and it's a thing. Yeah, I can't believe it. As as a, a, a objective observer who has no uh, ties to any college football, the fact that Penn State right. exists is flies in the face of all justice. Let, let's do eight million questions. There's so many. There are three pages. <laughs> I just want to say before we get to questions that Montez Sweat is one of the best names in football. I love it so much. It is great. Also, real quick, for all you patrons, 
uh, thank you. Um, our our good our good friends at Appleton Coffee uh, sent me a bunch of Appleton Coffee to give away to you people. So um, if you're a patron at the end at the on November first, I'm gonna send you some of you coffee. I was gonna say shout outs to shout outs to Steve at Appleton Coffee. He sent me a text the other day. He goes, I can't find your Patreon. What's it called? <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Uh, but he did send it. I have it. It's on my dining room table. And uh, to thank some of you for being patrons. I don't know. I haven't opened it yet. He sent me quite a lot. Um, I'm going to be sending some of you coffee if you're a coffee drinker. So it's good stuff. Uh, also, in addition to my Montez sweat note, the uh, my colleague Tom Silverstein at. Uh, the journal sentinel who, who on the green 19 podcast said something that's kind of interesting. He still believes that there, there was a maybe a tactical error on the part of the Packers and, and Matt LaFleur, whoever made the decision not to take the buy after the London week that just based on what he's seen, that teams come back from overseas trips looking pretty sluggish the week after that. And that, that may have also played a role. I mean, obviously, you know, it's hard to really say where or how exactly, but that maybe they should have thought about actually taking the buy instead of pushing it to later in the year, which yeah. which might pay dividends down the road, but by then the season might be over. It's a good point and worth mentioning because that travel does mess you up. And uh, it's possible, at least, that this is just another one-off in a series of one-offs where travel wrecked them. I mean, it's possible. Wrecked him. Hell, damn near killed him. Exactly. <laughs> Appropriate in this instance. Thank yeah. you. Yes. All right, Patreon questions, starting with Mark Putscarby. How massive of a mistake was it for the Packers to extend Rodgers instead of dealing him to Denver in the offseason? Yeah, they would have wasted the picks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about that, too. It's it's such a hard call to make it. I mean, in retrospect, he hasn't played well, but he's hardly the only problem. Uh, there There's schematic problems, too, and he's gotten worse, but I do think you can still win with Aaron Rodgers um, if you do things right. So I don't know. Um, I, I would like to have Did the you, picks, but they're going to go with, like, I, I'm not worried that they're going to give Jordan Love way too much rope here. So that's Did you it. ever in the last in the last 15 years think you would find yourself saying the words, they can still win with Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Eventually it gets to everybody, even Peyton yeah. Manning. Even Yeah. Peyton Manning, by the way, was benched the year after throwing 39 touchdowns mm -hmm. and two years after setting the single season touchdown record. Yep. It gets time comes for all of us. Not Tom Brady until this year. What I don't understand the reference from Chris Richards. What, yeah. what do we have on the spacecraft that's good? Do we know what that means? Uh, Chris, we have to answer your question because you paid money. But um, I also don't understand this reference. We so should have Googled We should have Googled So I'll tell you what. Go to the next question. Matt, answer first, and I'll Google it. All right, you're either a smart fellow. Oh, okay, or a he smart he fellow. forgot a we. It's it's a quote from Apollo 13. It's when they're when they're trying to fix the air filter. Oh, what do we have? Here. What do we what do we have on the spacecraft that's good? Ah, oh, okay. now it's good. Now I get it. Got it. Yeah. Okay, okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. So, all right, all right, all right. So, so how can how can we duct tape a square filter into a round hole? Got it. Um, Zach Tom, he's good. Um, Yash is good. They can do that. Uh, I but this is they're not going to do this because they're sick. Of, like rookies and Aaron don't mix, but they should actually play Samari Toure, who is on yeah. their, <laughs> who is on their fifty three and a good deep threat, and just just sitting there. Doing nothing. Um, <laughs> Paul mentioned his draft crush drink. He's on the team. Like it's what he he does the thing that the hurt guys do. Like put put him there. Juwan Winfrey doesn't hey man, do that. Sammy Watkins is free to come off of IR any day now. I think he will too. I think that that will actually help. <laughs> I love it. It's a good. It's a. It's that's a nineties movie. Good reference. I love it. Well done. Wonderful reference. Bad on us, although 
Uh, the one word did sort of throw me off here. With uh, he meant we instead of with, and uh, that would have maybe helped a little. It was a probably typo. Sorry, Chris. It was it was a good question. You're either a smart fella or a fart smeller. Says. <laughs> is this old man on a bike? I swear it's not. He's this is a a completely separate person and a new patron. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> aboard. You're either a smart fella or a fart smeller. Is there any scenario? Jesus, I feel like my ten year old is in the room. <laughs> is there any scenario where the Packers consider a first round quarterback in the 2023 draft? Should they dare I say tank for one? They shouldn't tank for one because they're still alive in a crappy you know conference for the playoffs but yeah there is um if they don't finish high enough and they have draft capital and people to trade and somebody they like ends up in like the top 15 picks and they're around there they might do that um i i, I do think they're more enamored of love than i am but i think it's possible this is a very good quarterback draft class i think you can find a possibly good one later in the first round maybe even in well good quarterbacks never happen in the second round not since Drew Brees but it's a deep one there's going to be some people here so yeah I think I think they will take a quarterback just a matter of what when they do it and I think a high one is on the table if this thing falls apart I mean already with three wins it's almost I mean they're going to win two or three more by accident even if uh, you know Jordan loves it quarterback so that's almost that's almost yeah Tyler Huntley and free agents. Oh, that's so true. Lamar Jackson's actually going to be a free agent, and they should. Do, uh, are you sure? They, are you well, sure? they can franchise him. They, they can franchise him. And I feel he like doesn't have an agent, so there's not a damn thing you could do about I it. I feel like franchising your quarterback is often a bad idea. Uh, for, I think not giving him an extension in the offseason is a bad idea. I agree with that. I agree with all of that, but it's worth monitoring because he may be available, and him running the Lafleur offense is the platonic oh ideal. Could, of, could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine someone who can actually run an RPO? Yep. Lamar Jackson, by the way, is a, an underrated passer for a lot of reasons we won't get into in detail here. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Matt knows. Um, th- that team never has good receivers, but he always ranks super high on all grades from passing from the pocket every single year. He is uh, an underrated player, generally trapped in an offense that's just freaking weird to quote tyler huntley lamar jackson is throwing the hell out of the ball yep <laughs> you know who the packers should take is the guy we saw this weekend tennessee quarterback hendon hooker so i like oh, okay i have no idea if he's good but as you know alliteration is my jam and that's a good one so uh, here's the thing i'll tell you about hendon hooker he is a cubops star uh my thing loves him what, what i could say from apc slack is that Justice and Archon, quote, uh, think that he, quote, unquote, does not play in a real football system. <laughs> and then they sent me articles on the Art Briles College offensive system, which I read, by the way, in case you guys are listening. And uh, fair enough. It's not a traditional, um, a traditional route tree, traditional offensive system. However, one of the guys who did run it is RG3, who was a good pro quarterback. So I'm still keeping him on the radar. Oh, by the way, Archon is listening because he always makes it all the way to the he end. Does, he does, doesn't shit about things we say at the end. <laughs> the, the, the guy I want to keep my eye on who is still in my Cubops threshold is Michael Panix Jr., who I think is going to fall a little bit and it has a cool name and uh, is, I think, a legitimate good pro prospect. Yeah. We talked about how valuable names are to great quarterbacks. Yep. And Hendon Hooker and Michael Panix Jr. I mean, Hendon Hooker is, is literally a superhero's alter ego yep. name. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. like that man fights crime on the weekends. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I don't know. CJ Stroud just doesn't doesn't ring the bell for me. Or the uh, the Clemson guy. I won't even try to say his name. Like it doesn't uh, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Um, all right, where am I on the thing? Aaron Savage. I, I just as soon think about anything except the Packers right now. So a historical question for Paul: Do you have Yo. QB ops for Josh Allen's draft class? Of course I do. Allen improved after he got to the pros. I'm just curious how his pre-draft score compares to similar guys who presumably did not work out. Man, I could tell you this right now. Yeah, uh, Josh Allen was doo-doo butt cheeks, yep. according to the QBOPS chart, <laughs> and he has made a historical leap in accuracy that has never been done before. So Matt is right. That is correct. Um, however, I... It, uh, say doo-doo butt cheeks. No. <laughs> uh, it, in the spirit of offering up a little bit more than that, um, uh, Josh Allen's, um, his last year was 2017, right? I have that right, right? In college? I think so. Okay. Um, that's, that's the last I have QBOPs for. Um, he, he was bad. He, so Josh Allen was bad in college. Um, and it's specifically because his completion percentage was low in a conference that didn't have good defense. Um, and you know, he's a super athlete. Usually guys who play at that level even if they're not good passers, have good completion percentages, like Trey Lance, for instance, a little bit lower than Josh Allen, who is at least in the higher division. Um, but usually completing passes is completing passes. He was very, very bad in that regard. Um, and those guys never improve. He is unique. Matt is correct about that. He is a... Uh, and no analytics person will tell you they thought Josh Allen would be any good at all. They'll be lying if they do. He is a scout's pick. The scouts should be credited for getting him right. Josh Allen should be credited for uh, fixing what was wrong with him when nobody else has ever been able to do it. Um, and I'm not sure it's repeatable, but uh, Herbert's close, but he was accurate in college. That's the big thing. But here's what I can tell you. 2017... Josh Allen completed a higher percentage of his passes than Jordan Love did. Uh, he has a higher QBOBP than Jordan Love did that year. That was not his his last season, but uh, he started out. Uh, or J Jordan was at one time less accurate, so uh, I'll give you that. Now, if I recall correctly, your draft crush that year was Jalen Hurts. Uh, was that that year? Could be. Let me see. Because I mean, if you're mentioning Jordan Love, I remember. When Jordan Love is drafted, you really wanted Jalen Hurts. Oh, the Jordan Love year, yeah, I did want Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Jalen Hurts. Is okay, home. but yeah, so uh, Allen was drafted in 2018. So yeah, you're correct. I'm I'm a year off. Okay, yeah, I got that spreadsheet up, and I have my QBOPs from 2019 to 2016. And Jalen Hurts has two of the top ten in that, I think. Yep, there he is. Mm -hmm. Boom. Uh, he was super accurate in college and super dynamic. One of the best statistical cases for a high draft pick ever. Brian Polakowski asks something that we've we've touched on. What happened to the best five on the OL? How was Jake Hansen, the first lineman off the bench ahead of Nyman or Tom? Uh, Newman went right back in. Okay, um, I can answer this one. Uh, Jake Newman Hansen, went back in because Hansen got hurt. Yeah, right? yeah Hansen he did. Prob probably tore his bicep. We yeah. might not see Hansen yeah, the I rest of the year. Um, Hansen came off the bench because it was a one-for-one -one replacement. If Nyman comes off the bench, uh, you might... You You're, might end up seeing some juggling. Yeah. You got to move out and then or something. Um, but also, they're just liars. That's not what they do. They don't put the best five offensive linemen out on the field. They haven't all year. And uh, it's just not true. It's something they said to make people happy. That's <laughs> it. And I go back to sometimes there is an unseen benefit to having five guys who are the most knowledgeable, whether or not they're the five most talented. Uh, there is a, a benefit to that, but we are past We're, the point. Yeah, we've and sometimes there's a benefit to having five guys 
with a large fry <laughs> and an extra large drink. Yes. In the moment, an hour later, you oh my decide, god, you 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 feel bad about your choices. That's all I'm saying. Seventy five percent through the meal, I feel bad about my choices. <laughs> I'm finishing yeah. a twenty dollar burger. Right, you've got to finish it now and get more fries because yeah. you paid all that money. So you got to keep going. Uh, Flaley Joel Osment uh, asks, who on this team is most likely to have an Antonio Brown esque exit? Coaches included. More importantly, when does Matub Grub hit shelves? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I, I put Rich Passacci on the list of people who could have a, a an epic an I'll, epic au revoir. I'll go with Aaron on that. I, like, I well, yeah, like I'm, he, I'm, with, I'm with Aaron Rodgers. He could just wander off in the desert at some point. That wouldn't be that weird. Would would you be that surprised if Aaron just called it Absolutely a day not. at the buyer? I'm, I'm just I'm just waiting for Aaron Rodgers to like scream at Lafleur on the sideline like I got 35 on the Wonderlick. What did you get, yeah. man? <laughs> Second of Valley. Who's ever heard of that fucking? <laughs> Jeez. Um. Well, yeah, like Wednesday, he's not at practice and no one knows why. And LeFleur won't reveal it. And then Thursday, the rumblings begin that Aaron Rodgers is actually not with the team. By Friday, he's reported missing to Brown County authorities. <laughs> I see how this develops. It's, it's That's going to be an amazing week of practice. And then next thing you know, they find him in a Target parking lot and he claims he was looking for a Boston market. <laughs> nah, dude, he's going to end up in like Madagascar. Or Paul, do you think Paul. JR got my reference? No, uh, I didn't. I also didn't get your reference. Uh, everyone Google Kellen Winslow Jr. Target parking lot. Oh, oh, that. Okay. Not, <laughs> not, not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, Patrick Detmer says, can you describe the emotions you'll be feeling when you learn that the Panthers turned down the Packers offer to trade a conditional sixth round pick for Robbie Anderson? Robbie Anderson sucks. I don't care. Oh, yeah. interesting. Robbie Anderson. Not only does Robbie Anderson sucks, but everywhere he go, people hate him. Yeah. He he may have offered some minor benefits as a field stretcher and opening things up, but Robbie Anderson hasn't been good for years um, by metrics or grading or locker room reports. So <laughs> it's not bad to not have him on your team. There's better options out there for trade and for just random signing. So don't do that. Patrick Detmer did make a clutch 90s reference as a follow-up. He said in his Robert Stack unsolved mystery voice, update. The Arizona Cardinals basically traded just that for Robbie Anderson. Do you care at all that given this level of compensation, the Packers didn't work out a trade for him or do the problems as a team far exceed anything than bringing him in can solve? I will I will add to this. Like, what I mean, you think they might finally trade for a receiver this year? I mean, they never do. They always need one. Well, of them. Uh, 2021 first round pick for the Ravens. Yeah. Would you like to uh, elaborate on this? Uh, Bateman. Uh, after the Ravens signed Deshaun Jackson, Bateman just tweeted the word LOL. Is this like when Eric Bledsoe tweeted, I, I want to get out of here or whatever? This he is, yes. this is like it, that. Yes, it's Instagram season stuff. Um, also, yeah. he his uh, this year, his average yards per catch is 22 and a half. It is. And that, that includes a game or two where his his uh, it's like 13. So that means before that he was over 30. Does he have like seven receptions this year? What are we talking about? Um, I think he has like thirteen. All right. Well, anyway, he's he's a he's a deep threat. Let's like he's, he's Paul. What's your metric? It's angry. like you're you're like is it like uh career yards per catch over fifteen or something like that? That's your deep threat metric. That is my deep threat metric. Yes, which I do not have. Wow, how did I how did I know that off the top of my head? Which MVS is always last in for catch percentage. Yes, that's the yeah. One. Uh, but Bateman's uh career he's like 28, 27, something like that. Yep. He oh so. That's correct, yes. He's 22.1 this year. He has 11 catches. Um, 
I also hey, not bad for pulling numbers out of my butt, right? Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> I, I also think there's a legit chance they get Kendrick Bourne out of uh, New England, who is in the doghouse there and who has worked in the Shanahan system before, is uh, the closest, uh, don't yell at me for this, the closest thing to Debo, other than Debo. He literally, Ooh, hiss, he, he was number one in DVOA last year. He does all the stuff that you want in this offense and is a legitimately high upside good player. So catch, get him. I, I want him. Okay, you know how like, he has the like, same searching... Raz as Cooper Cup. He has the same exact oh, Raz as Cooper Cup. No, Belichick is not going to help make the Packers better. He, he's mad at him. He will help make the Packers better. Yeah. He'll... Uh, he will trade him for a pack of gum and a ham sandwich. I don't believe you. They're I'm not sorry. good at personnel. They trade people well, away like, all the time for not enough compensation. Okay. The Patriots are running, good on the field, who, but they suck at this. Who was their running back a few years back against the Colts? He had like 200 yards on 13 carries. No idea. Um, and then you never heard from him again. Like his entire career ended after that game. Turns out he was late for practice the next day. And Belichick benched him. I have no idea who you're talking about, but now I really want to find it. So the so the it yeah, was definitely Patriots, not law firm. He sucked. Um, Patriots had a running back who came out of nowhere. He was like third string running back, got two hundred yards in one game, and then you never heard from him again. <sighs> All right, well, let's do more questions, and I'll find our Devin or Devin should do for the podcast. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> PJ, Wessel, <laughs> PJ Wessel says they can't lose to the he abbreviates Commanders as Durs. They can't lose to the Durs, can they? <laughs> can they? Also, will the New York baseball teams have more successful seasons than the two New York football teams? Um, they can lose to the commanders. Yes. They, uh, I prefer the commies. That's what I'm going with. This year. I like commies too. Uh, I think it would make Dan Snyder really mad. And, uh, they, the, the baseball teams are, uh, well, the Yankees just won tonight to yeah. advance to the ALCS. The Yankees might actually win the world series. They might. So, so they're going to, the baseball is going to be better. Yeah. I hear, I hear judge is pretty good. I mean, the Mets, the You're Mets right. had like, an incredible hundred win season, even though it ended poorly. Uh, I, I still, there's no way the Jets and Giants match what the Mets and the Yankees have done this. Yeah, year. definitely not. No, no, no question about it. Appleton Coffee Company says, "What's the best way to get through the season? I can't keep going into every game being disappointed with a cup of coffee." I would say. Is so, Steve has season tickets. That's he's he this is a humble brag on his part. Uh-huh. Um, I've gone to a game with him where we lost. Yeah, was, I was <laughs> I was at that game. We met the first yeah, time. Uh, 49ers divisional game. Yeah. It's a good time. He's got good seats. <laughs> Just chill, Steve. Well, Have a beer. Him. Yeah. I mean, that's the answer is alcoholism, as always. You're a Packer fan. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Tom Haight with a brilliant question, which, by the way, we have no answer to this. <laughs> what is the best way to get through the season? I don't know. Beer. Tom Haight says, How sad is Jordan Love that Rodgers picked Zach Wilson over him to mentor? Is that the most spiteful thing Rodgers has done to this? <laughs> Dude, did you guys did you guys see the, the picture of him and Zach Wilson hugging after the game? No. It was uh, full it was full oh, on wow. tender. Oh like, dear. Like uh Zach Wilson's like Rogers has been my hero since I was eight years old. I modeled my game after him. I wanted to be him when I grew up. And it's all this captioned over a picture of Rogers and him with their heads on each other's shoulders. Well, that's adorable. Yeah, but it sucks for Jordan Love. <laughs> um Scarf twenty one. Is this a new patron as well? I maybe so. Doesn't ring a bell. So yes, okay. we'll go with yes. Scarf twenty one has asks a very long question. So I'm gonna oh boy. paraphrase a little bit. Let me tell uh, to find this running back that may not exist. Yeah. That's fine. Well, some of this we've kind of already discussed. But is it time to question the team's personnel choices? It seems that at least part of the reason for the Packers struggle is usually using certain players. Uh, maybe improperly, like neither Newman or Hanson are the answer at right guard. We know this. Lowry has been less helpful against the run. He's still see- seeing a substantial amount of snaps. 
everyone knows Aaron Jones needs more carries, but doesn't get them. Uh, then he says when healthy Watson could perhaps be more helpful as a deep threat. Um, he finishes with, am I wrong in being disappointed in how some of these players are being used? It's Jonas Gray, by the way. Ah, okay. <laughs> nice work. Okay. Um, you beat me. Okay. So we've, we've mentioned the Newman Hanson thing. Yeah. Jenkins. I guess the short answer to this long question is you're not wrong to be disappointed in how some of these players are being used at all. Um, they don't seem to make changes quickly enough when people struggle and they don't incorporate the rookies quickly enough, both to help development and to fill holes where they need holes filled on the offensive line receiver. Uh, I mean, it's weird that Quay Walker's just like, okay, Quay, go play. If you screw up 5 million times a game, who cares? You get to stay out there. And, you know, nobody else seems to have that leash on young players. And it it, it is disappointing. I feel like with a little more creativity and a, a little bit uh, more leash from Aaron, this would be a lot different team. I mean, do you think that, do you think that Jones's lack of use uh, – had anything to do with him dropping the only good pass that Aaron Rodgers has thrown to the flat all year? Uh, so this is pure speculation by me, and nobody should take it seriously, but maybe. I also wonder if him publicly calling out the play calling during the week was a little bit responsible for it. Yeah. Um, because that's sort of rude. Um, you don't normally do that. Honestly, though, I think it's mostly just that they have roles. Um, it's part of their predictability that AJ is out there for specific down and distance situations and Jones is out there for other ones. And then they run the pony package that doesn't work at all. By the way, worth noting, Mike Pettin, um, his pony package works really well. It's uh, <laughs> it, uh, They're the best in the league with two running backs on the field. They have no trouble uh, when they have Brees Hall and Michael Carter out there. They gain like 12 yards of play and the Packers don't work at all. So. Hey, oh, um, before we get away from A.J. Dillon doing things that isn't normally A.J. Dillon, he ran a screen, which hit him in the face uh, this game. Not great. But I'm blaming Newman on that. Why so um, Newman hung up on his block, and A.J. Dillon came out from behind Newman, and the pass was already there. So he was actually kind of screened. It's like screening a goalie in hockey. Um, so the pass was a good two feet ahead of where he expected it to be. I don't blame AJ for that, but I'm also defending my guy. Uh, Ryan Ziegler uh, asks, <laughs> they tried looking in the mirror last week and that didn't seem to work. Should we change that to journaling and meditation this week? <laughs> don't get me wrong. I have no problems with holistic medicine, but at some point in time, you have to investigate actual medicine. When we reach the breakover point and move to it's fine to it's over. Move from it's fine to it's over. Look, Ryan, it's like anything. Words or spells. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's we need, not we need over to manifest. The only reason it's not over is because it wasn't over for the Brewers in the last few weeks of the season. Yep. The, the, the competition isn't good. So it's possible that there's still a route to back in. But it is over in terms of this is not a Super Bowl team. And I don't even imagine how they possibly get back to that sort of those expectations. Yep. I kind Same. of I, like I look forward to the day they're mathematically eliminated so I can stop being emotionally invested and just enjoy <laughs> the games. That's exactly how Brewers fans think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So then um, you can just be like, all right, Yelich hit a dinger. <laughs> all right. Yes. Nothing I, matters. I and think, I'm dead inside. But Yelich hit a dinger. Our favorite recent patron, I believe, is next. So, All right. Old man on a bike in Sherlington asks. I'm just an old man who bikes to work year round. <laughs> so I know what it's like to be cold and old. 
Rodgers looked both on Sunday, reminiscent of Favre in the 2007 NFC Championship game. Is Rodgers done or just injured? So we haven't even talked about the thumb. We should as- have mentioned the thumb because he is injured, and that does matter. <sighs> His thumb is injured. It was cold. I do think he is the cold age. Uh, I feel like when you get to 39, 40, that's when it starts to get you a little bit. And I think it's a factor. It's one of the reasons I'm not high on their ability to re- like come back later in the year. Because I think he's going to be bad when the weather gets cold. But we'll I just see. I love I love how how you're describing like being old and cold by using old terminology. Like that's when it gets you. That's when it. <laughs> get, oh yeah, I I remember. That's when it gets you though. Like they, they talk about you. dad noises when you when you stand up. Like that's how you know oh. you're old. Yeah, and and you're oh. using like dad phrases. <laughs> it gets you. Thumbs do matter though. That that you're the. <laughs> The year that Brett Favre had a, had a bad thumb was one of the crappier oh Brett Favre God. years. And I don't know why that tickled me so much. <laughs> it's your thumb. Yep. Um. So uh, <laughs> I lost. I lost what you thought. I, oh, if Aaron Rodgers listens to this podcast, I feel obligated to point out that he's only thirty-eight. He's not thirty-nine or forty, as we just said. So it doesn't get you just yet if you're thirty-eight. Look, if, if Aaron Rodgers listened to this podcast, the things that I have said about him would have earned me a visit from Joe Rogan's punching squad. I hope he likes my song. <laughs> oh, Aaron Rodgers Instagram. All right, JD asks, right now, yes or no, Rodgers retires after the season. Sub-question, do you think if things continue, he's benched at any point? Sorry, uh, have you guys ever seen High Fidelity or read the book? Yes, both. Okay, uh, Jack Black's character, Barry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, should an old, should a formerly great band be subjective to their terrible new music? Sub question: Is it better to burn out than fade away? <laughs> the sub question is great. Incredible casting on that, by the way. To have Jack Black be that, yeah, uh, it is. Read the book. You, they're, you, they're different. It's Jack Black in your head. Yeah, that's good. Um, um, I think he retires. What do you guys think? Oh my God, I think um, I think Rogers is pig-headed enough to just keep lacing her up and giving her one more shot, no matter who it's with, if he thinks he can win a ring. Um, I will answer the second question. Do I think he gets benched? Absolutely not. The Packers are going to ride with him until they're completely eliminated because that is their best chance because Jordan Love is probably not much better and the protection doesn't get better. You know, the protection is a huge part of this. Yeah, but also (laughs) say what you want about Matt LaFleur and his ability to win games in his young coaching career. He does not have the sand in his pants to tell Aaron Rodgers to sit down. He absolutely does not. That's true. Uh, As far as retirement, I will. I've said this before, but Aaron Rodgers is one of those athletes similar to, I would say, Tom Brady, Zach Greinke, in that they don't think on on normal terms. Like we can try to predict what they're going to do, but I I think that's a fool's errand. Like I don't think we have any data. We don't have like we don't have comparisons for these people. Who's Zach Greinke? He's no idea. A uh, pitcher. Sorry, Matt doesn't know. Book. He's a pitcher. He is one of the most unusual and interesting people in sports. Go read any article about Zach Greinke. It will make you laugh, cry, other is things. Is he the guy who lived in a in a van? No, that's yeah. uh, Doug Jones, uh, the left-handed pitcher who pitched for the Brewers briefly. The uh, right. he was with the Tigers. Daniel Norris. Um, oh yeah, down by but, the river. Uh, yeah. Van life. Uh, but no, Zach Greinke just he beats marches to the beat of his own drum. Like there's no prediction. So. I mean, Aaron Rodgers could play 10 more years or retire next year. I really, truly don't know if we know if, if he knows. This is this is Schrodinger's retirement. <laughs> it really is. Uh, Danny Noonan 
Our guy, I know Paul and JR are both knowledgeable about the Brewers as well as they are the Packers, and I've enjoyed Matub's recent attempts to make some comparisons to baseball. Have you all considered doing a Brewers <laughs> podcast with your same knowledgeable statistical analysts and entertaining banter? Danny. I really, that's that's such a sweet thing for him to say. So, I appreciate this. JR, first of all, don't don't take it too complimentary because what he's doing here is making fun of Ryan. Um <laughs> my, my, my co-host on the Milwaukee Stalegate podcast, who Danny argues with constantly on Twitter. Oh my god! About my my timeline is just them like calling each other names. Yes. Uh, so that is what this question is about. Uh, uh, however, Danny, uh, you should know, and uh, if you don't know, what is wrong with you? That if you don't want to listen to me and Ryan talk, that Jr. does a baseball podcast with Kurt Hogue and um Todd like, and Todd Rosiak for the Journal Sentinel called the Micro Brew. All the time, and it's excellent. So you can just listen to that if you want to hear that. Also, if if we did, the three of us um, did a Brewers podcast, it would be like year one of reporting is eligible, and JR and I would switch places. Absolutely right. Exactly true. <laughs> Absolutely true. So that means that by year it three, would. I would be a pretty knowledgeable baseball fan. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a pretty knowledgeable football fan. Oh, JR, so. you have no... okay. Do you ever like rub elbows with normies? Like you are head and shoulders above the average NFL fan at this well, point. I mean, I, w- I will say that I do cover sports for a fairly large <laughs> newspaper. So like, I, I, I do feel like I have a leg up, I will say, but you know, it's just maybe not to the level of you guys is all not the DVOA, the EPAs of the world is all I'm saying. <laughs> All right, Dr. Hillbilly, in the uh, in the offseason, the Packers extended or re-signed Devondre Campbell, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, and Brian Gutekunst. Once my time machine is operational, I'll use it to go back and derail one of those decisions. I'm not a good engineer, so I only have the opportunity to undo a single contract, and which do I choose? Obviously, you haven't seen Minions. <laughs> this is a toughie because Rodgers, well, Rodgers gives you – I don't think you do LaFleur. No, LeFleur uh, is a good And I, I don't think you do Goody either. Uh, I don't think he's perfect, but uh, I think you are likely to do worse. Now, um, are we ta- no, how are you stopping this? Is it Are you going to like Tanya Harding, the athletes? You, you're just, you're clearly, this is an infinity gauntlet scenario. You just snap your fingers and it happens. I can't believe we're discussing the logistics of how we will. So, time well, look, Pat, Pat Oswalt has a bit called, uh, if I had a time machine, I would murder George Lucas with a shovel in 1996. <laughs> okay. so, so, like, the logistics are discussed. <laughs> So Aaron gives you the most potential change because quarterbacks are super important, but that just gives you Jordan Love. I don't think that works. Campbell, I don't think it, it, you know he's he's the off-ball linebacker. He's been crap. Um, I don't know. If it changes that much if you stop that signing, but it's the worst signing. Uh, you signed an inside linebacker who wasn't good before to a big contract in this one. You bought high on Campbell. Uh, it's risky to do that. It may have blown up in their face. Um, that's the one that you probably change. Can- can I make a suggestion? It's not on the list. Uh, yeah. Dean Lowry. But prevent the prevent the Dean Lowry extension. That's that's more than a year ago, though, right? That's do, does does he say? He says oh, in, in the this off this season. off season. Yeah. It's got to be this off season. Yeah, but otherwise we could go fix lots of other things. You know, <laughs> just with one decision, Brandon Bostic, we could fix. Oh, oh. oh. So or Haha Clinton Dix. So it's one season. I like it. Um. I, I would uh, make Aaron Rodgers retire. 
All right, we have eight million more questions, so let's, let's embrace the chaos. Man, how there. much do you do you hate the Phantom Menace? If you would go back and kill George Lucas in 1996, that's you need to you need to listen to the bit. It's hilarious. It's it, it, it devolves into talking about John Voight. Oh wow! Okay, KTM <laughs> asks, we stunk at all three phases, and if there was a fourth, we would have stunk at that too. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I do get the, I do get the feeling not playing Yash at right tackle, kicking to Elton into guard, or na- or nailing Royce to the bench. Protects Rodgers, enhances the run game, keeps the offense on the field for longer, keeps the D fresh so they can play with the juice they had in the first half. Could a small adjustment have such a sweeping effect, or should I put this crack pipe down? It's like he listened to it and then asked the question. You're absolutely correct. That's true. It could. That's the silver bullet. It could also put down the crack pipe, please. It could have big knock-on effects. Absolutely true. Jerry Knock Jeremy Knockman asks, with respect to the analogy of the Packers as the St. Louis Cardinals of the NFL, in the spring of 1998, months after the Super Bowl 31 victory, the Packers announced a uniform change, reducing the number of sleeve stripes from five to three. I remember reading an issue of Packer Plus that spring that featured several letters to the editor complaining about this change. I was 16 years old, and even I knew these people were effing crazy. This also seems very much like <laughs> Cardinals fan behavior. <laughs> it is actually amazing. So- one of the long-time best Twitter accounts is Best Fans St. Louis, a Twitter account dedicated solely to finding racist Cardinal fans and insane did, Cardinal Did Andy Schaaf start that one, too? He no. did not, but it's, <laughs> it's in the same vein. It is actually amazing. There is not a Best Fans Packers or something like it um, for this kind of thing. Oh, there was. It was JS Comments. That's a good point. It was JS Comments, wasn't it? It's weird there's no one for Twitter, though. That, that was, you know, for, for the JS Comments. As per the name. Yeah, there is an attachment to the specific aspects of Packers, everything, history especially, that uh, yep. that it's it's hard to top. And it can be endearing when you're a part of it. And when you're not, it's super a little grating. Yeah. Yep. All right. Joe Cool asks, is there anyone on the coaching staff or currently unemployed that could take over LaFleur's play calling? <laughs> so we can focus on motivating this team with to play with more heart. Matt's not the one you have to change on play calling. That's the problem. It's the it's yeah. the other guy doing the play calling that you got to change. Nothing you do offensive coordinator wise will matter unless it is a good buddy of Aaron's. So um, that's the answer. If there's one, hey, out why there. don't they bring in that fleshlight guy to call plays? <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey, whatever. Yeah, Marcus. Aubrey, is that it? Aubrey Marcus. That I have is to correct. Push that information yeah. out of my brain now because I don't need that in there. Get it, get in uh, Elon Musk or yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh, what about Rand Paul? Nah, okay, that's enough of this. Let's move on. Jared Vogeltans, that's a name I, I vaguely recognize. Is he a previous patron? <laughs> I have to get the new patrons up. Hold on. <laughs> how does, all right. How does the current offense differ from what LaFleur was running the first year he came to Green Bay? For example, for my untrained eye, there seems to be more shotgun than the first year. Also, any alternative hobby ideas I can do on my Sundays? Once this team craters and implodes. So I think that, that your first couple of years, you're looking at Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable in the system and just trusting it out of blind faith. Yep. And now he once again, thinks he's the smartest person in the room and can do better. Um, As for shotgun, um, everyone is running more shotgun this year. Yep. I, I don't know why. Um. Oh, and, and alternative hobbies on, on Sundays. Uh, when the game f- or when the team finally craters, that's when you can actually enjoy the game. Just have a couple, two, three beers, have some brats, and just enjoy the game as a casual viewer. The danger of giving up on 
a Packer season so early in the fall on Sundays is that you wind up at like apple orchards, pumpkin <laughs> patches. JR and I disagree kinds. on this, but that's because I have an awesome um app or corn yeah. maze. If if your corn maze has TVs, I'll be there. Okay. TVs and beer. Yours has beer, which is awesome. For the most part, you wind up at family functions that are just uh, people do the weirdest shit on Sundays. <laughs> truly awe inspiring what people are willing to do with their families on Sundays. Fall family fun, man. If you are yeah. the the western Chicago suburbs, um, Abbey Farms is a farm with a corn maze, and it has a legit Abbey that makes legit um, Abbey style uh, monk beers. What do we call it? Trappist ales. Um, and uh, they'll just like sell you a bottle of a double, and you can walk around the corn maze with your kids. It's awesome. That's Highly awesome. recommended. Yeah, well, and I, if I if that. you're in Colorado, your wife makes you wear a nice sweater, drive up the side of a mountain, oh, and yeah. take family pictures. You got you got to wear the nice clothes for the pictures. <laughs> That's also true. Price <laughs> chosen. All right. Price chosen says biased question. As I'm the biggest irrational Equinemius St. Brown fan ever. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Would keeping EQ have improved the wide receiver? Oh, I don't think so. Um, he's been bad for the Bears, hasn't he? He's he's had a couple like highlight catches, and so he looks good on Twitter. Okay, but he's been overall unsuccessful. Now, with the caveat that the Bears' quarterback is not good, he's caught forty six percent of his passes this no, year. No, obviously, what you do he's a good is, deep threat, so maybe a little bit. What you do next year is you get the other St. Brown in the draft. And then you get you trade for Amon Ra, Ra, and then you sign Equimenius after he gets released, and you complete the Saint Brown Voltron, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's how you unlock the true power. Anyway, of- e- EQ is just a guy. He he might be useful because he's a deep threat, but he's not good, and you can do better. Wasn't he a good blocker? Like they're all good like blockers. The things, the things we say about Lazard is a thing that you can say about he's Equimenius. Fine. You know, the Arizona Cardinals, now that they have Robbie Anderson, it seems like they're trying to acquire every wide receiver under the sun. They're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall. On one hand, it would be nice for the Packers to to try and add some new people uh, in season. But on the other hand, you have Arizona, and they don't seem to be any better off than the Packers are in, in this department. I mean, I mean, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, if he's healthy and not suspended, is very good. But uh, <laughs> they're, not, they're not the worst team, but they're the worst organization. They don't know what they're doing. The Cardinals are a mess. <laughs> I saw a, a tweet. It was like, it's 2024. Kyler Murray looks down the field. Travis Kelsey is open. Nuke is open. OBJ <laughs> is open. Devontae Adams is open. And he scampers for two yards. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury is a bad coach. They they really have. They should have moved on. This is a problem. Uh, Chris Huber uh, this is the last of our Patreon questions. This week's, um, uh, Eric, after that, is actually a Patreon question, too. He put it in a weird part of Patreon, but I found it. So two, <laughs> two more to go. Okay. Chris Huber says, this week, uh, Robert Sala intimated that the Packers will fold under pressure. Do you agree with this? If so, what do you attribute this to? Coaching? Personnel? Both? I mean, Sala knows Matt LaFleur and knows how to beat his buddy because everybody who isn't the Rams knows how to beat their buddies a lot and of it yeah a lot of it's also just their immobile quarterback who doesn't do well under pressure anymore yeah, but like, uh, no but, but what he's saying is is the packers can't take a punch in the mouth they they haven't been able to for the last three years that is true they're bad at one half like i i have i have spent my entire football fandom saying that momentum is not a thing and the last three years have shown me that that is incorrect momentum absolutely exists when you're coached by matt lafleur <laughs> This is the first time I really thought you could tell in the second half 
that they were missing something that had nothing to do with scheme. I yeah. really bristle when people talk about heart and, and desire and whether the coach shows emotion. I think most of that is bullshit, but this team was missing a lot in the second half. And, and when the game wasn't, you know, not just when the game was over, you know, like they, they, they really looked like they didn't have energy. They didn't have anything. So Packers that, Packers weird. fight to bring it within a score. Devondre Campbell hand fights with right. running back instead of tackling him. Yep. He's five foot one de- and a hundred pounds. That defense really looked bad after they got down. It was, it was rough. Yeah. All right. Eric Hanchek, which made up scenario I've cooked up is more likely a Luke Butkus is a sleeper agent carrying out a long play attempt to blow up the Packers organization from the inside. We Fair. know Dick Butkus is not a fan yeah. of Luke being on this on the side of the uh, the rivalry or B Rogers is at the final stage of his fuck you revenge from the love pick. Uh, step one, elevate his play. Step two, embarrassing the franchise. Step three, force their hand to put uh, force their hand to put all their funds to keeping him, keeping him happy. And step four, cash the check and peace out. Peace and love from Big Rig. Uh, <laughs> I uh, Aaron, my Aaron Rodgers is not smart enough to pull off that heist. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is something we've learned Fair over the point. past few years. Yes, he um, would he would also never ever ever tank his statistics on purpose. We know that Aaron Rodgers is not. in love with his own statistics. Yeah, yeah. So he would, yes. he, he's still. I mean, think about Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I really feel like is competing with Tom Brady most of the time in his head. Like he wants to outshine him any way he can and lay the claim as the greatest quarterback of his generation. He probably will never get there, but uh, I refuse to believe that he would, he would immediately uh, again, we're taking seriously a tongue in cheek question. Like he, uh, he would not, he would not derail his own legacy that way. One thing we should have mentioned on the retirement question is Aaron might play another year because I don't, I think we all think he doesn't want to share the hall of fame stage with Brady, right? Agreed. Yep. Yep. All right. So yeah, and I think I think had Tom Brady stayed retired, Rogers would have retired at the end of this year. Indeed. All right. So real real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a spontaneous little um, RAE segment called "You Know What You Asked." Here's the answer, Uh, Jonathan. We are we already kind of answered this one, and uh, I don't think they regret not trading Aaron because it was rational to do so at the time. In retrospect, it doesn't look that great, Um, uh, Neil. I do think they'll make some trades, but uh, NFL is tough to judge. You never know. And uh, Crow Pack Crow, love you guys. Uh, Aaron's running the offense because he's the one on the field doing it. And let's do Devlin's as a group because I think it's pretty good. All right. So the one Twitter question, Devlin Sheehan. Last year, Elton was very good at left tackle before going down with an ACL injury. Uh, He points out it was an 82.1 PFF grade for what it's worth. Thank you for the research. (laughs) Are we certain that his issues this year come down to an inability to play tackle and that moving him inside is going to suddenly elevate his play significantly? Yes. Yes. Because his issues, his issues of playing tackle are his lateral movement because of his ACL injury. That's right. Um, It's take away the need to move laterally. He'll be great. It's a weird quirk of the ACL recovery that you sort of get the, the forward and back back first and the left and right back second. And so you can actually play guard effectively before you can play tackle effectively. So it actually would matter. Also, I do want to give a shout out to Crow Pack Crow. Um, They saw my last name on the zoom screenshot last week, immediately recognized it as Croatian um, and asked (laughs) where my family was from. I'm distantly related to a famous director from Zagreb, the capital of Croatia. So that's, the only reason I know like the origins of my last name. All right. Uh, one last thing, David column uh, who said, what is the value of, we need to get X player, the ball more the uh, in quotes 
when the people saying this literally have control over who to throw or hand off. <laughs> in response to Matt LaFleur being like, yeah, it's unacceptable that we didn't get Aaron Jones to ball more. Uh, Look, it's it's the what's the show on Netflix, the sketch comedy show? Like, we're all trying to find the guy, the, hot the guy who did this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it can be two things. One of it is just an admission to the press or to anybody that we know this and we know we should have it happen this way. We'll try to make it happen. Um, but it can also be sniping at Aaron, who is actually in yep. control of a lot of that. And um, it is often his decision how much the running backs touch the ball on an individual basis. And just going back to the top of the show, um, if A.J. Dillon's out there and struggling, the other team can sort of dictate he get a, a carry. And if Aaron Jones is out there and tearing them up, they can sort of dictate that he not. And that's part mm-hmm. of it, too. All right. <sighs> I just finally made it. Shows I'm, I'm waiting for I am waiting for LaFleur to finally snap because he's getting he's getting hotter in his pressers. He is. He's like, getting less uh less refined, more and so I'm just waiting for him like to have one of those questions. He's like, Look, I called 18 G dang runs in the beginning of the game that Rogers <laughs> checks out of. Like, well, like just throw him under the bus. Just do it, Matt. He's uh, lost three games through his first six in the previous few seasons. It was three all year, or maybe four. So well, maybe they can run the table, JR. It's a new experience for run him. Run the table. Let's all right. Go. We're done real quick. JR, anything good? No. Oh. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> no, nothing is good. We are all going to die. You know, I'm, I haven't, I'm not close to being done writing it or anything, but I'm, I'm looking at a story as Packers might be interested Packers fans might be interested uh looking back at an equi- old equipment manager by the name of dad brazier uh dad was his uh dad yeah dad <laughs> dad was his nickname gerald his name gerald but dad uh ironically did, he was not married did not have kids but uh he was with vince lombardi and some of those glory years teams All right. i actually spoke to hall of famer dave robinson about him uh who is still with us and and very has great stories uh, loved talking to the man talked to him for a half hour i think i asked two and a half questions uh, and uh, he spoke very eloquently about this man. Dad Brazier is credited in many circles with with creating the G logo. I knew that that, uh, that became universal. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. And, and he's not physically the artist of the G logo. That that is a, uh, a Saint Norbert student, John Gordon, I believe is the name. Um, so so there's some dispute as to whether or not not dispute, but just he. It's hard to pin pin down exactly what his role was there, but he does have a role there, and he was you know, kind of experimental with some of his equipment and stuff. And the players really loved him. Lombardi supposedly loved him. He's not in the Packers hall of fame. And uh, so I spoke to a gentleman who's trying to get some ground, you know, grassroots movement to get him into the Packers hall of fame. Dave Robinson is on that train as well. And uh, he's got a gravestone in Janesville, Wisconsin. And there's, there's talk of trying to get, uh, get a little more commemoration there and kind of more recognition of what his contributions were to the Packers organization. Uh, he's dad Brazier died in 1982. He's been gone for 40 years. So it's uh, it's, you know, sort of a couple generations later, trying to look back on him a little bit, but but it's a really interesting story. I'm really enjoying diving into it. So uh, hopefully, in the next few days, I'll have something uh, something on that. I believe Dad Brazier is mentioned in the book about Lombardi called The First Year. Oh. I mean, he's mentioned in many in books many, about yeah. Lombardi. He um, comes up a lot. That's, that's why I know him is because Lombardi asked him to help come up with the G or come up with something. Yeah, uh, they wanted something different than just the plain yellow helmet gold helmet and uh lombardi supposedly really liked the idea kind of like similar to the yankees of an interlocking gb and uh dad brazier is one of the people who stood up and was like mm, maybe not let's just do a g 
and, yeah, and uh, he wanted it to be a football shape, right? That was his... he did. He did. That was supposedly again sort of his idea, and then maybe John Gordon's execution of putting it in a football. It's tweaked a little bit. The initial G that first showed up in 1961 on helmets is a little different from how you see it now. A little more angular, um, and it got it got smoothed down a couple times. But uh, but yeah, it was sort of his insistence, and the coaches kind of sided with that Brazier, and they went with the with the G, and the rest is sort of history, as you as you know. All right. That sounds, that sounds cool. Matt, have you finished your VR? God, no. This game is awful, man. You should just um, call it. You know, you know that. It's right? over, Matt. Yeah, I think I'm going to call it. I have, I have maybe 20 minutes of footage that I could cut down. That's a lot. I just, I, I wanted to. I, I just, I really want first person footage of the Lombardi ceremony. Um, I've seen videos You're, of it on Twitter. You just don't. You, it's not worth it. Um. But in personal news, I'm I'm currently on a tour of everything made by the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Oh, well, that's fun. Um, I'm obviously never going to get Pappy, ten, twelve, or twenty. You know, I don't. I once found a Pappy on a shelf. Get out of town. Yep. There's no way in hell. I no, I have witnesses. Even I found it at a Binnie's in Chicago. I bought a bottle of it. The guy was like, "Oh, this just came off the truck." And then I had everybody, all of my friends at a St. Patrick's Day party, do uh, a shot of it. Drink so. it. Oh my god! Well, I'm currently drinking. This is actually Trader Joe's that, private label. That is Trader Joe's private label. It is made by Barton, which is a Buffalo Trace brand. It's pretty good. Um, for 15 bucks, this is excellent. Yep. All right. Um, I've been I've been that, sipping it the whole podcast. I guess that's Matt's liquor recommendation. Bourbons. All right. Um, I I've got an article going up uh, tomorrow about how Aaron gets suckered by defenses and how the Packers' defense. Our offense does not dictate to defenses, but is instead dictated to. So check that out. I also have my recap going up for the Shepherd Express, which is fierier than usual. So check that up. And I'll have something about the commanders later this week that I haven't figured out yet. But uh, that'll do it for us. This is very long. We'll have the mini pod on Friday, and uh, hopefully we can get back on track. But uh, enjoy the game. If we don't enjoy the game, oh boy, going to be rough next week. I met a man out in the sticks, a good old nips. He drove a series tank Cadillac and wore a cigar on his lip. Don't you know the devil wears a suit and tie? Saw him driving down the 61 in early July. Wide as a cotton, feeling sharp as a knife. I heard him howling as he passed me by.